Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. What will separate us from the love of Christ? Will anguish or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or the sword? Romans 8.35. I used this reading at my father's funeral because I wanted everyone to remember that nothing will separate the true Christian from the love of Christ. Because the question is a rhetorical one, we should unwaveringly remember that nothing is going to take away the love Christ has for us. None of the dangers or troubles of life can make us forget the love of Christ that was made known to us in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Neither is anything able to diminish that love for us which burns in his heart. When things are going wrong in our lives, work isn't going well, cars are breaking down, relationships are floundering, or our week is just going from bad to worse, It's easy to blame it on the fact that God's left us, turned his back, doesn't love us anymore. But that's not the case. I suggest to my children who are scaling hurdles and dealing with life, it's not so much the tribulation as the way they're dealing with it that's causing them all the headaches, the anxiety, anger, frustration and sadness, to name just a few of the emotions running rampant in our family this week. And the way they're dealing with daily mishaps that escalate out of control may mean that they're drawing a little too far away from their creator. This week, I've suggested Bible studies, working through a devotional for uplifting purposes, or a peaceful meditation to two of my children in an attempt to encourage them to return more wholeheartedly to the truth that Jesus loves them and nothing can take his love for them away. Spiritual warfare is very powerful and the adversary will sneak through the tiniest chink in our armor Because things are going wrong doesn't mean God isn't loving you any less. Pray together as a family, read the Bible, and remain on guard. Bask in his love and feel better. Hello, welcome to the Social Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNenny, and I'm here to dispel any preconceived ideas you may have about what educating your children at home looks like. It can be straightforward school or no school at all. It can involve world travel or a comfy seat on the couch. It can be in pursuit of passions or simply hanging out in a tree. Homeschooling can be embarked upon for a number of reasons to a physically challenged child or parent. The threat of bullies and overwhelming peer pressure at school. A particularly brilliant child who's bored in kindergarten. A conflict in religious teachings, perhaps, or a desire for the family closeness missing in your family or upbringing. For me... It's a lifestyle that suits the maverick lurking within. I wanted to be the one who saw the light bulb go on. I wanted to be there at turning points in my children's lives. I didn't want to hand them over to folk who weren't their mother. And I wanted to make my own decisions about how to raise my children. On this show, I've spoken to a wide range of homeschooling mothers, fathers, and graduates who find educational opportunities everywhere and thrive. I've moved in and out of my comfort zones. God and the children will do that. I've gained 
gained insights and delights that I'm happy to share with you. With or without my children underfoot, my life is often ordinary, always busy, and sometimes a roller coaster. But for me, it starts and ends with God and his awesomeness, the beauty of walking through pastulands, the mockingbird singing, rain falling softly, the glide of an alligator in the canal, the smell of freshly mown grass, a serious hug, or a crash of thunder to startle me. If you pop by, I'll offer you sparkling water and a slice of Bakewell tart. Its almond taste is wonderful. I'm broadcasting live from Turkey Creek in Florida, and after the first break, I'll be talking to Carol Barnier, a homeschooling mum who has some distractible children. If you can relate, or if you yourself get sidetracked every once in an hour, stay tuned. Carol is true and funny, and she'll be here in person after the break. I'm all set, so grab whatever it is you're drinking and let me engage you with the latest and greatest from the household of the McNennies, where I'm looking back on the stirrings of romance in the family, dealing with ear mites, moving the boat, and starting to consider weeding. Are you ready? Well, we're beginning to wind down our stay here in Florida. My my cowboy has trimmed all the bushes and covered the septic tank with a tarp to make it look better. Well, in his eyes anyway, because his office faces the other way. And to keep the smell contained. So far it's working, but the rain keeps on coming and saturating the leaching field. And I can still hear the gurgling and blubbing of water being pushed up the septic tank. I can't think too much about it. The health inspector's been out and she didn't condemn our premises, so it must be safe. But I shudder when I see the tarp heaving gently from my office window. And I'm beginning to deep clean. I know you want someone just like us to come and stay in your house for a while. We're responsible and we aim to bless. The house is only a thousand square feet, so cleaning, no cleaning project takes too long. I'm going to try my hand at weeding next week. The ground's lovely and soft from the rain, I hope. And I'm sure most of the sprouting green plants that shouldn't be there will come up easily. Happily for us, there aren't too many flower beds. And the trees have what look like deliberately planted succulents in their beds. So I should leave those well enough alone, right? (laughs) The avocado tree keeps dropping its fruits. They're now yummy, but they don't last long, meaning that they get too soft and they have to be thrown out. I can literally watch them ripen on the tree outside my window. And when I hear a thud, I run down the stairs and find the fruit that's just fallen and bring it up for the refrigerator. Curiously enough, there are lots of avocado stones on the ground under the tree. What does that mean? (laughs) The boat that was for sale on our dock, Flora Bell, didn't sell as we had hoped last week. It was very, it is very old and it's seen better days having been built in 1939 for the Elizabeth Arden family. It, well, I should say she is made of wood, a major drawback for insurance companies. They want reliable things to insure, not objects that may rot and sink. Sink? Hmm, that may be a way to get rid of it. But wait a minute, it's not insured, not such a good idea. A family did come down from New York to look at it and were all set to buy the beauty. They were going to live on it, having already sold their house and embarked on a simplification and downsizing plan for their future. They spent over an hour on it, looking around, starting it, dreaming together. They all went into town to get the title and it was then in a McDonald's that the wife broke down and decided she couldn't go through with the sale. 
I have to say I can't blame her. I don't have any dreams of spending time on a boat. The cramped quarters and not being able to stand upright are too claustrophobic for me. Of course, we're talking about the kind of boat in my price range. Now, a million-dollar yacht may be a different story. So there Florabelle sat, abandoned by her new owner once again on our dock, grandly in the way of my Texans casting for fish and playtimes with the alligators. That is until the weekend when my cowboy, who is more comfortable on a horse than a boat, pulled it down to the dock next door under instructions from the owner in Indiana, tied her up, and now we have an uninterrupted view of the boat opposite in all her gunmetal grey glory. But the water's lapping right against our deck for the first time since May, and there's a massive turtle that lives underneath it, the deck. That's what we've been hearing slipping into the water at night. We thought it may have been an alligator, but now we think it must only be the turtle. Whew. And I have 14 more walks to go with the dogs. I was trying to remember what it was like not to have to get up so early. It's dark now in the mornings. I can't rely on the sun coming up to wake me up because it doesn't at 6 a.m. anymore. And the dawn chorus is all shot because of the lack of light. And the limpkin, a bird with a curved beak and about the size of a stork that screeches so loudly it rightfully deserves its casting as the primeval screeching heard in the Tarzan films, yells a little too soon for me. He's kind of a pre-dawn caller. So I've had to resort to an alarm. What's with clocks? I like nature's timing, but I have things to do and places to go and I can't lounge around in bed until the sun decides to get up. I don't even have to have a clock that I can check next to my bed that I can just half open an eye and see the time. I have to grab my phone and press a button and look at the time. I know it's hard, but I am looking forward to not having to get up at a particular time to take dogs for a walk. I wonder if I'll just stay in bed. My cowboy said he'd bring me breakfast from the hotel dining room. That sounds heavenly. And talking about dogs, briefly, my big dog on loan went back for an ear recheck this week and has mites. So guess what? I'm now putting two drops a day in his ear for a week. Nurse Little Dog is reaping all the benefits without any discomforting medicines and enjoying the cheese treats. I've had to cut that down on those. Don't want them fat when their owners return. And talking about the little girl dog, I noticed she was limping and thought it may be a thorn in her paw. Well, it turned out to be a toenail growing through her little pad. Poor thing. She was born with a deformed foot, so I call her Tiny Tim. We told the vet and he said, oh, bring her in and I'll clip it. Well, we already had. And last week, if you remember, I was talking about my daughters and their science co-op and how easily distracted they were when it came to fellow classmates. We were pretty much an all-girls school by the time the oldest was, son was off to college at Santa Fe and the youngest son at the community college and volunteering at the animal shelter as often as he could. And then out of the blue, he, their most adored brother, Simon, met a girl. She was a year younger than he and still at public school. His faithful attendance, the girls who lived for every moment they had with him at home, now had to share him. As if college wasn't enough, suddenly the act of um, having to share him with somebody else became a reality, not just professors and classes, but this time it was another girl. When he did come home from college daily to be loved and adored by his sisters, the appearance of a girlfriend meant he now came home to change, eat and rush out again. 
and uh, they were left high and dry during their late afternoons. And they were disappointed and they were curious. Through his girlfriend, he met a lot of young people who enjoyed outdoor activities. This was right up his street and he spent his time playing soccer, volleyball, basketball, riding bikes, running and bulls. Yep, I said bulls. Seems like a little bit of an old man game to me, but they played it. And with his girlfriend, he became very sociable and he went to cotillion, homecoming and prom. Here I was with the least social of my children, the one who regularly complained at the playground about peers who kept asking to be his friend, caught up in the world of parties, dancing, limos and friends in their final year of school. And not only school public school. I never could have organized anything so perfect to bring my quiet son out of his shell to better equip him for his four-year college. God is funny. And it's time for me to go on my first break. And when I come back, I'll be talking to my guests. So don't go far. handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling. That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Get ready for Wise Up Radio, leveraging your learning, leadership, and legacy with Donna Kimbrand, the edgy evolutionary, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, here on the Rockstar Radio Network. If you're an entrepreneurial leader or visionary, stay ahead of your game with insights, tools, and strategies that give you the thought leader's edge. Each week, join Donna and her guests as she'll ask the edgy questions, help you discover game-changing shortcuts to better thinking and learning, how to explore the ripple effects of leadership excellence and how to create your life as a living legacy where the legacy you leave is the life you live. As thought leaders, you need strategies to help you enjoy the confidence and thrill of riding the wave of rapid change. For more on Donna, check out her website, GameChangerThinking.com. Then join the conversation and sharpen up your wits on Wise Up Radio with Donna Kimbrand, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome to The Quip with Miriam Nicole Huffman, a modern woman's guide to styling her faith, family, and finances. The online radio show dedicated to today's positive, purpose-driven woman who's ready to heal her heart, her head, and her household by realigning with what she values most. If your highest values are faith, family, finances, and freedom, you're in the right place. Host Miriam Nicole Huffman is a woman on a mission. Her mess to success journey has taken her from life as an upper-middle-class stay-at-home mom to a broke single mom to living a life of joy and wholeness as she builds a thriving business while raising her healthy, happy family. Every week on The Quip, Miriam Nicole shares her love, life, legal, and lifestyle success secrets. Whether it's wisdom you're seeking, inspiration and motivation from someone who's hit rock bottom and risen to success, or you want to know how to fully align your faith, family, and finances to create more freedom for yourself, you're an Excellent hands with Miriam Nicole. Check out past shows by clicking on the podcast player to the right or check our recent guests in the blog below. Got a question for Miriam Nicole? Want to be a guest on her show? Email us at thequip at miriamnicolehuffman.com. 
and join us every Thursday at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. I'm delighted to be welcoming my guest this week, Carol Barnier, a homeschool mother of 17 years. Carol is the author of four books, Mother to Three Children and Wife to One Husband. You may have seen her on TV or heard her. She's a regular commentary provider on Focus on the Family's weekend magazine radio program, where she's spoken on a variety of humorous topics, ranging from not being ready to be a Titus woman to why angels need a new public relations manager. In 2004, she started Sizzlebop, a community where thousands of parents with highly distractible children find community, homeschooling tips, and encouragement. Whether speaking about her firstborn son's 13 surgeries, her homeschooling challenges, her family's many ADHD challenges, or her own walk from being a God-denying atheist to the most grateful recipient of God's amazing grace, Carol speaks from the heart. She knows why she knows what she knows, and she's here to share some of her wit and wisdom with us this afternoon. Welcome to my show, Carol. Well, hi, it's great to hear from you. Thanks. We had, we had a little buzz there for a second. I thought I lost you. That was panic you heard in my voice. So. Oh, it was. <laughs> well, you know, we'll deal with it if that happens, so uh, don't you worry. You didn't tell me I have to provide wit and wisdom. I only got the wit uh, uh you know, the whip part. Well, you know, I reckon that by this time with the experience behind us, we can maybe sneak in that word wisdom a little bit. (laughs) All right. You're setting the bar high, but I'm going to go for it. All right. Well, Carol, I know you're very, very busy. I'm reading a lot of your stuff. Um, And I just wondered, you know, as a busy mom and a busy busy wife and a busy woman and um, homeschooling on top of everything else, where do you find time for housework? Well, you know, uh, I I didn't get that memo either because it's certainly not something I I make time for. The truth is I'm really not a great housekeeper. That's the truth. But... (laughs) We do this wonderful thing, and it works so well for us. We just do this thing called the 10-minute tidy, and I kid you not, it's literally 10 minutes a day. We set a timer, and uh, the the girls and I, they're only really two kids kind of still here at home, and and we set a timer for 10 minutes, and we turn on some great music, and we spend 10 minutes in a different room each day, and that pretty much takes care of 90% of it. Well, wow, that's wonderful. And your, your girls are happy to help you do this. Well, most days, yeah. Most days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's really fun. We actually, we make it something fun. And they know when the 10 minutes is up, I will not say, oh, let's just do this one more thing. I have to, I have to be really, it has to be a <laughs> sacred 10 minutes or they would, you know, lose their heart in the process. Well, when you think about it, though, 10 minutes a day is 50 minutes a week times three. So yep. that's pretty, pretty good amount of um, housekeeping. So you could probably, yeah, you can do that. Well, I read in one of your things because you've got these um, very um, distractible children and 
I did too. I thought it was just because they were boys. And um, you, you get them doing things while they're doing something else, you know, sort of multitasking because they can do that. And one of the things that I read that you did was mopping. One of them was, you know, like mop the kitchen floor. So, I mean, that killed two birds with one stone. Yeah, that was a, that was a short-lived period. I am so sorry that my son did not take to that one for longer. <laughs> but there was this brief period where if I was reading you know, maybe some historical uh, novel to him or something, or mm-hmm. something about our lesson, he would happily mop around the kitchen. And um, that was a very blessed time, I will admit. Mm. <laughs> mm. So how old are your children then? Well, now uh, the the uh, oldest is 25, and then the mm-hmm. next one is 20, and then I have a 14-year-old still uh, still homeschooling for another four years. But your 20-year-old is still living at home? Barely. He's he's gone an awful lot. He works at a farm upstate, and you know he's, he's he touches base every now and then. Okay, so you have two boys and a girl. I have one boy and two girls. Okay, I thought you had one boy and two girls, but I thought your oldest was a boy. My oldest is a boy. Did I say I had a younger ch- a boy? I, I meant to say a one an older boy and then two girls. I, the okay. youngest one and the oldest one, my bookends, are my distractible ADHD kids, and the one in the middle okay. is the only one in the family who is what you call neurotypical. Okay. Okay. All right. What does that mean? Wait, <laughs> just know, like just to take long naps. <laughs> she doesn't have all the distractibility. I mean, even my husband and I are very ADHD. So yeah. she kind of like lives in a house full of Lucy Ricardos. And uh-huh. she's just this calm, collected. I mean, she's the one getting a degree in chemistry. She's very organized and everything is just so. And I mean, she's hard to ruffle. And I think she's the only reason the rest of us haven't killed each other. So right. bless her heart. Okay. Well, so when you're in a family like this and it's a, you know, I like the way you say it's a distractible children that you have, how as a mom can we take care of ourselves? But you've admitted to also being pretty distractible. So, I mean, what if you're a calm, quiet person, you've got these children bouncing off the walls around you? How can you take time for yourself? How, How did you do that as a mom? Well, you know, I, I really feel bad for um, for those women who are very calm and ordered and they're kind of the Martha Stewarts in mm-hmm. the world because people like me and like my distractible children really drive them crazy. Yeah. And, and I understand, um, from a distance I understand, I mean, up front, you know, I'm kind of like in the, the mix and I'm part of what makes her go crazy because I like the energy and I like the sound and I like the distractions and I, I've actually kind of jokingly said that the way we homeschool it should be called rabbit trail education because I will happily chase down any sort of uh, question my children have because I, that's my favorite way, way to learn. So mm-hmm. I, I'm not married to a lesson plan. But for those women, for, for any woman in, in homeschooling, the truth is you're part of this equation too. And whatever it is you need to be successful in this process, you're going to have to make sure that that happens. Now, it also means, though, that you may have to adjust your standards, not lower them, adjust them as to what a successful homeschooling day looks like. Mm-hmm. Because if you come into this with this typical public school model, um, mm-hmm. I mean, everyone is, is set up for disaster with that model. And, mm-hmm. and while it works in the public schools, I understand why they do it. When you've got 30 kids and you've got to move them through a set curriculum, that model makes some, some modicum of sense. Mm-hmm. But when you're at home, that's one model, but you've got about three dozen other possible models you can use. And the sooner you look at those options, the sooner you'll typically find something that works better for your family. Mm. Mm. All right. Well, you know, a lot of women, when mums, when I was in the thrust of homeschooling, when they were all really young, would look at me and they would say, oh, 
I don't know how you do it. I just don't have the patience. And I looked, I look at them and I think, oh my goodness, well, I don't really have the patience either. It's just something that I do. And if, you know, a situation arises where I'm on the verge of losing my patience, then I have to deal with that because that's not really a good way anyway to be parenting, period, whether I'm homeschooling or whether I'm just, you know, a stay-at-home mom and they're at school. You know, what, what do you think about that? Well, I, I always laugh when people say, you know, I can never homeschool. I don't have the patience. And I, I say, oh, yeah, that's why we do it. Yeah, because mm, we all have mm. that patience. We just had buckets of it. So we just yeah. all went into homeschooling. Um, you know, it, it's a laughable comment because um, anytime you're working with a number of children on any kind of intense activity, I, I mean, the same thing would happen if I was a teacher in a public school. I would grow frustrated yeah. sometimes with kids mm-hmm. who don't get it. And if I were at, at in a job with, you know, a group of folks and I was trying to explain something and they didn't get it, I, I would be frustrated. So mm-hmm. um, patience, though, is that thing that we, and particularly, uh, you know, as a person of faith, I, I'm so convinced that God has to have patience with me so often that mm. I just don't feel I'm in a really good position to be impatient with others. And I have to keep coming back to that, that I provide the God of the universe with lots of reasons to just absolutely lose it. And so if he can continue to be patient with me, I can find it within myself to continue to be patient with, with those around me. And sometimes that means my children. Mm. And some of those other comments that we get as homeschooling moms about, well, my children wouldn't listen to me and, and the patients one and that, you're right, because wherever you go in your walk, you're going to have these um, obstacles of maybe your colleagues won't listen to you, maybe you're not a born leader, or maybe, you know, there are all these things in life. It's not just homeschooling. Yeah, and I think, you know, to, moms need to give themselves some time to find their groove, too. I mean, you, you, you've stepped into this role that's a very different role for uh, a parent and for the child, and it's not going to instantly connect most of the time. And so I think it, it, took me, it took me a good six months to not only figure out how this distractible child learned, but to find my teacher voice, mm-hmm. to find my, my confidence that, you know, here's what we're going to do, and to find my ability to, to make it fun but not lose control in the process. And so I just think, you know, a lot of grace needs to abound because in the end, homeschooling is so incredibly efficient and forgiving a medium mm-hmm. that you can get it wrong for a long period of time and amazingly, it still works. They still learn. Yes, so, yes, the grace. they do. Yes, yes, they do. So how, how did you do that? How did you um, structure or not structure your day? How did you live in an, well, okay, unstructured day? Did you have an unstructured day? Not in the beginning, because in the beginning, I was trying to duplicate the public school model at home. So Mm -hmm. I had lesson plans that were written down almost hour by hour, minute by minute, Mm -hmm. for the Mm -hmm. the entire school year. Um, Mm -hmm. And so then about six months in, I realized my son wasn't learning, and I kind of threw out the system and and started figuring out how he could learn, which which involved a great deal of motion. But, But I still had pretty tight lesson plans about what we wanted to achieve. We just started putting motion into the lesson plans. But truthfully, every year that I homeschooled, I became less and less structured. And I finally realized that that rabbit trail education that I spoke of earlier was my favorite way Mm -hmm. to learn. Because when they ask a question, they are invested in the answer. Very, very different from when I say, now today, children, we're going to learn about the ancient Chaldeans, open to page 34. They're not Mm -hmm. invested in the Chaldeans. Mm -hmm. Not at that moment. But if they ask a question about it, that's the time to go after it. And mm-hmm. so up until ninth grade, I would be really, really relaxed. But, but the truth is when they hit high school, I become incredibly boring all over again. Yeah. 
Because yeah. I, I'm, I, I mean, the truth is I have no courage. I, I, I can't carry that model clear through high school. So we start looking pretty typical when, we, when they hit ninth grade. Well, Carol, we need to go on a really short break. We'll be back in just a moment. Okay, great. handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling. That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. The WooHoo Radio Network presents the Diva Download with Tracy and Tasha. If you think Diva is all about attitude and drama, think again. The Diva Download is the premier online radio program where girls of all ages, shapes, sizes, and colors get together to redefine what it means to be a diva so that all girls can discover their inner diva and develop a healthy sense of self-worth and self-esteem. Being a true diva means you're diverse, involved, value-driven, and active. That's today's diva. If you want to celebrate the girl in your life through education and encouragement, empowerment, and entertainment. Join us every week on Tuesdays from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time and celebrate the essence of being a girl only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Marla believes that with the right mindset, anything is possible. Join us as successful life coach Marla Tabaka inspires you and her clients to explore, discover, and live your dreams by developing what she calls the Million Dollar Mindset. Marla will inspire you to take action on your dreams and reveal secrets to success that will help you realize your own unique power. Tune into the Million Dollar Mindset for heartwarming stories with Marla Tabaka. Learn tips and tricks to building a successful business and unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. For more information on the Million Dollar Mindset, go to our website, MarlaTabaka.com. That's M-A-R-L-A-T-A-B-A-K-A.com. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, Carol, before we went on the break, you were talking about um, your school looks like that rabbit trail. Your child asked a question and you'd, you'd hunt down the answer together. By the time you got to ninth grade, you kind of went back to, um, or not back to, but you became you know, kind of more regimented in your, in your, in your scheduling and your schooling. Um, did your oldest son go on and do traditional college? He, he did for a time. I don't, uh, I think in the end for him, the goal was to get into the military. And he okay. had a surprise there because he had a, a, a an existing, uh, an allergy that he didn't realize was going to okay. keep him out. And so mm. he has uh, since moved on to other things. But no, I don't, I don't think that's going to be in the cards for him. I think he's a hands-on guy. He takes apart motors and, and mm-hmm. I think he's going to end up going that, that route. 
Mm-hmm. Because you have one more girl who's uh, 14, so getting towards ninth grade, and she also is um, an active child. Um, so you don't you don't think that you'll continue down that rabbit trail? You've got one more to try it on to see whether or not um, that well, might we work? The, we, we went with the rabbit trail pretty much K through 8. I mean, I really like learning that yeah, rail. Yeah. I made sure they, they got the things that they needed, but I wasn't uh, afraid to you know track something down and spend two mm-hmm. weeks learning about butterflies if that's what struck them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. come ninth grade, I, I have a pretty, you know, they have credit hours, they have things. I want them basically to look familiar when uh, their trans- transcripts are in front of a college applications board. So okay. the, the materials and the process looks pretty similar to the public school model for us. Yeah, um, yeah. Scheduling is pretty much up to them at that point. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'm going to change just a little bit here. Um, Charles Colson in Against the Night wrote, attitudes are forged by spiritual forces, not by legislation. Values change when spiritual movements stir the hearts of people and when fresh winds of reason stir their minds. He's talking about you can have all kinds of laws and you can have all kinds of legislation, but unless the people have changed within themselves, they're not going to change. They're just going to go through the motions and um, obey the rules, but they're really not going to be a changed person from the heart. And you talk about changing your children from the heart or getting to them through their heart. How do you do that? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, my own my own uh, background is having you know been raised by a pastor and into a, a faith filled home a Christian home, mm-hmm. and then having been an atheist myself for mm-hmm. many many years, and I really developed a clear sense that a lot of people would focus on my behaviors, and so mm-hmm. one of the things I say to parents and to pastors groups that I speak to is stop focusing on the behaviors of these prodigal kids. Stop mm-hmm. that, because even if you gave them a list of all the behaviors you wanted them to change, if the next day they followed all those changes, you've changed nothing in their heart. Mm-hmm. And so it requires totally shifting our focus to things that matter. Now, in the homeschooling community, the way it can work is I might end up being too hard on my child for, for a way that they've misbehaved, because the truth is I'm more concerned with how I look in your eyes mm-hmm. than I am with the heart of my child. And my kid can read that. Mm-hmm. He may not be able to articulate it, but he can tell something is, is askew here. And so it, it requires um, sometimes a setting down of personal pride. It requires actively focusing on the heart of my child and asking them about how they are feeling and processing the information. Uh, and I'm such a, you know, I'm a big believer in apologetics for our kids, and, and because of my own faith walk, that's important to me. But even then, that cannot substitute a relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't want the pendulum to swing in the other direction where we have a new algorithm that, that brings, you know, to salvation. It's never, it's never an algorithm. It's always about the heart. Mm-hmm. So you have a child within your family before they've even left home who's, who's shifting. You can see that they're shifting uh, when they get it to be 15, 16, 17 years old. And they're wanting, they, I know my children didn't want my relationship with God. They wanted their own relationship with God. And the way they handled that was to go to no relationship with God until they sorted everything out in their heads (laughs) because it was difficult for them. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, and, and so I had to sit and watch that and just tell myself, all right, the foundation's there and pray. And you were doing something else proactively in, in your passiveness that maybe you didn't realize. And that was you were proactively respecting them. Yeah. And I think a lot of folks jump in and try and say, no, 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 you're having doubts. This is a scary time. Let me, let me tell you what you should think. Mm-hmm. And it's a very disrespectful response that we wouldn't tolerate from anybody else uh, no. for ourselves. And so it is very, very hard. And um, I, I, what I've said to a lot of parents is your children can't bring any question to you or any doubt to you that's going to unravel this God thing. You, you can mm-hmm. rest in that. Mm-hmm. And while you mm-hmm. may not have the answers, you can either find them or help them help your children find them. But, you know, this, this idea that these kids want to make this faith their own is actually a really good thing. I mean, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a fragile time. I'm not going to pretend it's not. But they're basically, oh, I call it spiritual tire kicking. They're checking this out. They, they no longer want to ride on your coattails. They want this to be true for them. Mm-hmm. And that takes, um, it's a maturing process that, is, is, is absolutely precious. I just, I think if your kids are assured that you will love them through this process, because I mean, I've heard of some families who actually kick their kids out of the house mm-hmm. because they don't use the King James Bible anymore. They looked at the NIV. I mean, just crazy, crazy mm-hmm. legalism. And, and that will uh, damage their relationship with their God more than giving them room to work it out. Well, and then it's not, it's not always when you've got children that are a little bit older teenagers and, and verging on the rebellion. And you're hoping that they either get through it while they're still under your care or it doesn't spiral out of control once they leave and they're 18 or 20, however, however old they are, when they leave home and go off to college. And you, you just hope that maybe they'll take the spiritual side with them. But they'll do other things. They'll do, they'll do other things because the world today endorses so many things that have become the norm. Yeah. You know, have you looked around and seen how many tattoos there are out there? When I was growing up, only a certain kind of person got a tattoo. Yeah. You know, today, everybody has tattoos. It's just yeah, I mean, of- you know, I, used to, I had a joke that I used to tell at homeschooling conferences. I'd say, yeah. Uh, you'd know that you took a wrong turn and you're no longer in the homeschool convention hall if you ever hear somebody say, didn't our daughter's tattoo turn out nicely? But I had to, I had to let go of that because not only were a lot of the daughters getting tattoos, the moms were. Yes, and, and, I know. And I grew up in the same generation as you, that, that that was considered some kind of line that was crossed. But, you know, Vivian, yeah. the truth is every generation has a stretching of a line that their parents thought was firm. Every generation does it. And we did it to our parents. They were just different lines. So, well, what, what, what did you do to your parents? Oh, yes, oh, well, yes, word, we, you, <laughs> you've written a book about that. So, <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, and that's what I, my husband and I, have to keep reminding ourselves. And in fact, watching our children move out of the house and away from what they're not really moving away, they're exploring mm-hmm. their own way. And they will probably come back, but I'm not telling them that because, I mean, that <laughs> will just make it worse. <laughs> but, um, but it, it's reminding us of who we were when we were their age, which we had forgotten. We'd forgotten all of that yeah. in this raising of the children and, and being, you know, having them under our thumb and, you know, being responsible for them. Do you find well, that? You know, Do you find, yeah. I, I was going to say, it, it, I think most telling um, 
in my background was when I went from being an atheist after 13 years and finally um, became a person of faith, you would think that the very next thing I would have done would have been to pick up the phone and call my parents and tell them. Mm. But, you know, I didn't tell them for over a year. Really? And, and it was because I needed time to make this my own. I knew if I picked up the phone and told them that they would pull out this box of expectations of what I would now think and believe and do and where those lines were. And I wasn't yet sure where the lines were. I knew that there was a God. That's all I knew at that point, and I needed time to work that out. So, um, yeah, I thought that was very telling that, that sometimes, you know, in the, in the finding of your self-process, you need a little isolation to work stuff out. And it's not personal. Yeah. It wasn't an anti-parent statement. It was just a pro-I-need-space-to-think statement. Well, yeah, now that I've suddenly done, gone through this journey and, and come to my conclusion, I need time to think about that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See where the are. Yeah, and my, my mom would say something. She would, she would always say to me, I'm praying for you. And you know what, Carol, that irritated me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'd think... What does she? What What does she think she needs to pray for me about? You know, and now I understand. My children say to me, "Pray for me, mom." Yeah. You know, when I'm going to church, I they say, "Pray for me," and I say, "Well, you could go to church and pray for yourself." No, no, no. You pray for me. <laughs> You're no, connected thinking, somehow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is so. I mean, it's so. It's so different. I felt it was intrusive my mother saying that to me, my children want me to pray for them while they're figuring all this out out there, you know, while, while they're trying to get themselves sorted out. Um, we're getting ready to go on, a, on a, a break, but I do want to ask you um, if you have an answer. Why do children rebel? Why do they rebel? I think we talked about that a little bit, finding themselves, right? Rebel maybe is a bad word to use, isn't it? You know, and it depends on the child. Sometimes it's mm. seen as rebellion when it's not. Mm. So. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I guess um, you, if you have a kid who's just, in my case, you know, I needed God to make sense. There are people who will see that as a rebellion. I don't know that in the early stages that it was. I, it certainly became so later mm-hmm. on. Then you have kids who have um, all the pressures of, of the culture pressing in on them, and, and they don't want the restrictions that they, they feel their family's bringing. And that's a kind yeah. of rebellion. That's the one we yeah. think of most often. Yeah. Yeah, and then you've Just got the, the kids who have you know difficult things at home, and, and sometimes leaving home is the smartest, healthiest thing they did. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there, there's just a lot of different reasons why kids go off into areas that put them at spiritual and sometimes physical risk as well. Yeah, yeah. And as parents having to deal with that, and we'll talk a little bit when we come back. We've got about five minutes when we come back. How how we don't worry ourselves to death over all of this, what, what tools we, we need to um, you know, keep our sanity while our children are going through this. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm talking to Carol Barnier. And when we come back after this break, we'll continue for a few more moments talking about our children and allowing them to have their dreams and not expecting them to live our dreams. handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling. That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. 
Welcome to The Quip with Miriam Nicole Huffman, a modern woman's guide to styling her faith, family, and finances. The online radio show dedicated to today's positive, purpose-driven woman who's ready to heal her heart, her head, and her household by realigning with what she values most. If your highest values are faith, family, finances, and freedom, you're in the right place. Host Miriam Nicole Huffman is a woman on a mission. Her mess to success journey has taken her from life as an upper middle class stay-at-home mom to a broke single mom to living a life of joy and wholeness as she builds a thriving business while raising her healthy, happy family. Every week on The Quip, Miriam Nicole shares her love, life, legal, and lifestyle success secrets. Whether it's wisdom you're seeking, inspiration and motivation from someone who's hit rock bottom and risen to success, or you want to know how to fully align your faith, family, and finances to create more freedom for yourself, you're in excellent hands with Miriam Nicole. Check out past shows by clicking on the podcast player to the right, or check our recent guests in the blog below. Got a question for Miriam Nicole? Want to be a guest on her show? Email us at thequip at miriamnicolehuffman.com. And join us every Thursday at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics, hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded Executive Protection Team. Dr. Sean holds a bachelor's degree in biblical counseling and master's and doctorate degrees in theology and is currently pursuing a doctorate in ministry with a Hebrew worldview focus. Through his counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. Join host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener, every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on this radio network. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Well, Carol, the most important thing to do is for us to love our children and accept, accept them for who they are and meet them right where they are in their lives. And sometimes that's almost impossible to do. Yeah, and I, I would say not even just uh, meet them um, who they are and where they are, but to accept that God made them this way for a reason. Mm-hmm. He's got a plan in mind that um, that requires the mix of qualities and interests and skills and challenges that this child possesses. And I had this wonderful explanation once of, of, of the, the concept of um, oh, David and Goliath going into battle against mm-hmm. each other, and, and Saul, you know, the king, wanted to put his armor on David because his set of expectations mm-hmm. dictated mm-hmm. that that would give little shepherd boy David the best odds in this battle. And, and, and the author of this, this uh, book that talked about this said that sometimes as parents we do the same thing. We have this, 
set of expectations, we put Saul's armor on our own children mm-hmm. of, of what they should look like and, and how they should, you know, confront their battles and they should do it the way we would. And they're made differently and God's got a different plan for them. So sometimes we, we're working so hard to make them look and walk and talk like us that not only is it going to frustrate the child, but we're in the business of trying to work against what God's plans are for this kid. So that's just a crazy, mm-hmm. crazy place to go. Um, and so it, yeah. just, sometimes you have to just, just set everything down, take your hands off the wheel and say, okay, what are these kids' strengths? What's, what's this kid got going? And work to encourage that, even if it's not something that you would be interested in. That's what you have to do. Yeah. And I think when they're, when they're a little younger, you could probably do that. It's when they get older and you actually see those, the dan- you know, it's a dangerous world out there, you know. Yeah. And you, you just hope that you've equipped your children, and hopefully you have. And, you know, people sing their praises usually when they when they you know talk to me about my children mm-hmm. and sometimes I say hmm is that the same person they're talking about <laughs> and because I suppose because they're more real with me perhaps and um you know so so they're there they're just they they really are trying to kick against you and sometimes it really does hurt and how do we get over that hurt how do we get over hurting and worrying so much about them yeah I think that um having kids is going to hurt you know, I, I remember when I was going through trying to figure out who I was and, and what a painful process it was for me. And there is no doubt that some of that spilled over and hurt my mom. It wasn't intentional. I don't know if she would ever, ever believe that. <laughs> but it wasn't intentional. I was trying to figure out who I was. And if some of it splashed onto her, my thought was, well, you know, you're an adult. You can take care of yourself. But i got to figure out who I am. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know that it's always as purposeful as we think it is. But the, the second thing is that if these kids, these kids can't understand i don't think can't understand how much their actions hurt us because i don't think they have a clue how much we love them mm-hmm. and i don't think before i had children i had the slightest possibility of understanding how deep that love is of a parent for their child so getting them to understand that is pretty much wasted energy i'm pretty sure i think we just have to accept that it's going to hurt oh and yes also um... maybe cross that over into realizing we have hurt our parents and even our heavenly parents, our heavenly father in, uh, in similar ways and maybe to own some of that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not so, I would never say to my children, you're hurting me. Right. Maybe I, maybe I, I am guilty of saying you disappoint me. That's what they said to me. When you say you disappoint, you've disappointed me. That really gets them going. They say to me, so disappointment is, is the thing, but I don't say it that often because they don't disappoint me anymore. (laughs) Um, you know, and I just don't think that if I said you hurt me, that it would make, because they, they would just say, well, it's my life. And I think, well, yes, it is. I'm, I am so grateful sometimes that I'm not living their lives. Yeah. I'm just happy living my life and having to work my life out. So let them work their lives out and hope by the grace of God and prayer from us, they'll, they'll get it right between them and God. But, you know, there's always that little niggle that maybe they're just ignoring God. Yes, God may have all these plans, but goodness, they're obviously not looking at them. <laughs> well, and I could certainly be accused of that. In, in those 13 years as an atheist, not only was I... Um, you, you, I wasn't even just ignoring God. I was claiming he didn't exist, that he was dead. Mm. There, was, there was nothing there to push against, and mm. I was pretty comfortable in that. But what is, what is worth knowing is that um, while you could not have started a sentence with what the Bible says, you couldn't have gone there with me. The, the truth mm. is that I still carried the Bible with me. I still 
carried those values with me. And all of those the scripture verses that I learned as a child and stuff, they, they have feet. They walk with mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And so while um, I wasn't spending any time in things of Christian values, those those values and their power um, still impacted my world. So even if your child has walked away from faith, I, I am convinced that the, the values that you gave them and God himself is still walking along with them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Carol, thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I've been talking. uh, Thank you. I've been talking to speaker and author Carol Barnier. Carol has either written for or been written about in many magazines, including Proverbs 31, Thriving Family. There are lots of them out there. Go and check on her website. Her latest book, Engaging Today's Prodigal, deals with the serious topic of her journey away from God and into 13 long years as an atheist. And we talked a little bit about that. And she has three other books also on her website that you could go check out. As you heard, Carol may talk with humor about a vast range of topics, but she speaks from the heart and her faith is solid stuff. Learn more. Visit her at carolbarnier.com and find out why her business cards read delightful speaker, entertaining author, adequate wife, pitiful housekeeper. I love that 10 minute, what was it? 10 minute, uh, 10 minute tidy Tidy, that you do. That's right. Uh, She also has another site for distractible children, Sizzlebop. And I have all her links on my Toginet main page and my website, The Sociable Homeschooler. Carol, thank you once again uh, for joining me this afternoon. I thoroughly enjoyed it. You have a safe weekend and God bless you. Thanks so much. Bye. Well, I think Carol's abiding message is universal. Love your children. Recognize them as the gifts that they are. Don't shelve them. Accept them in the here and now and accept them as as their own people, not as you. (laughs) They're not going to grow up to be exactly like you. And not all our children will fulfill our dreams. Um, Not our dreams. They'll fulfill their dreams, hopefully. My next um, college candidate after I had the two boys off to college was our oldest girl. And she didn't want to go to college yet. So I allowed her to tailor her high school studies to what she was interested in. Of course, we still conducted Bible classes first thing in the morning before everyone went, went every which way reading and math were um, required and she enjoyed the history from the mid um, 20th century. But Paris really liked children and she taught, um, she taught little children how to swim and um, her lesson plans and her weekly report cards that she had to give in to the um, parents and give in to the, I think she was working at the Y at the time consisted of her, um, writing that was part of her writing that she did in school and so there were her day-to-day anecdotes about the children the games that she played with them and eventually it became obvious that not only did she have an affinity with the water because she was teaching the swimming lessons but she had an attraction for the children and they for her they flocked to her and she could get them swimming like fish where their parents found them screaming in fear and sinking like bricks she was in her element and when she turned 16 she decided that she wanted to train to be a lifeguard and have a more regular job at least during the summer she was young at heart and she didn't take into consideration all the hard work and requirements she would need to completely get her to complete her certification before she could start working for a regular paycheck and so I had to step in with my homeschooling skills and encourage her to 
work on building up her stamina so that she could swim the required number of yards in a certain amount of time. And we did this in our pool. And since swimming is not my medium, I would just walk up and down the pool cheering her on. And she swam hundreds of meters as much as she loves the water. I was seriously concerned that she would grow tired of her passion but she didn't she had imposed a deadline and she was determined to become qualified and as soon after turning 16 as she possibly could and she did she passed the physical test with flying colors in the classroom and CPR she had to take a couple of times but she got it and after three months after turning 16 she was a bona fide um, lifeguard and it was winter So she went and applied for a job at an indoor pool at a fitness club. And she's always a good person, a good interviewee. So she got the job and she started that the the following January. And she just loved her job. And you know what? That's all I have time for this week. I'm done with nattering. And as I said, I'll be weeding the garden this week. Oh, dear. I hope I don't pull up anything precious. And I've almost finished writing my book. So lots of polishing of words, which I love to do. The time just flies by when I'm caught up with doing that. And there are still only two of us living on our street here at Turkey Creek. We're really spoiled by the peace and quiet. And we miss it. We all miss it when we return to busy Dallas. Next week, we're off to another small town where we've heard there's a better grocery store. Wow, our lives are just so exciting, aren't they? There's also Mass at the Episcopal Church on Sunday, so that's where we'll be this week before my customary breakfast of bagel and eggs. Not chicken, but duck eggs. I've discovered duck eggs, and they are delicious, packed with goodness, though not for those watching their weight or their hearts because they contain a little bit more fat than the other eggs. Thank you for listening to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny, and I'll be back same time, same place next Friday. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Toginet Radio, my producer, Sabrina, my guest this week, Carol Barnier, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Joel, Anne, Rosemary, Kathleen, Esme, Millicent, Margaret, Jacob, Walter, Jane, Oliver, Tina, and loads of others. Stay tuned all the time. Catch lots of great shows to help you through your day. Take care and be safe. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. You have a nice weekend and I will see you next week. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNenney on